Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Hey, everybody, this is actually John Crane. Uh, My good friend Todd Huff is not with us this morning. He and his family are traveling, and so thank you, Todd, for the opportunity to come in and fill this seat. Uh, I've had the opportunity to guest host here on the uh, Todd Huff Show in the past, and it's been a little while since I've been here, so I am glad to be back. I hope you're uh, here and ready to listen. We're going to have a different kind of conversation this morning uh, because I'm going to have a guest with me a little later in the show that uh, has a story I, w- I want you to be able to hear. And I think it's important for us to kind of set the tone for that story based on kind of where we are as a state, as a nation, as a culture, as the world. And, you know, we think about um, the fact that we've just celebrated the 20th uh, anniversary commemoratively of the 9-11 attacks. And of course, uh, the 9-11 attack was one of those moments, it's kind of like uh, for the older generation, where were you on December 7th, 1941? Um, for those of us of a certain generation, the question is, where were you on September the 11th, 2001? And I can remember exactly where I was. I was in graduate school up in Chicago, and a friend of mine came into class and said, hey, you probably heard, but a plane hit the World Trade Center. And of course, at that time, nobody had any idea uh, that that was just the beginning of what was going to be a massive attack against the homeland. And here we are 20 years later, and we have been forever changed by that tragedy. And that tragedy is just one of many that we've had to experience over these many years, and even over the last year and a half when we've been having to deal with COVID and all of the implications of covid not just for us personally, but for our state and for our country and for so many countries around the world. I think about that and uh, my own journey through COVID. I've been blessed thus far to have not contracted COVID, but I describe to people that COVID is the great revealer. Um, There was a quote that I ran across last year um, in an article related to how we navigate COVID, and the lady Aisha Ahmad said this, calamity is a great teacher. Calamity is a great teacher. And I couldn't agree more that calamity is a great teacher, assuming that we want to learn, that we're willing to learn whatever it is that we're going to be able to learn through any given calamity. And so even as I think about um, my journey and, and our family's journey through COVID, one of the things that I did with our family, I sat them down and uh, asked them to share as a family, uh, what are some of the things that you are learning through this season? Now, keep in mind, this was when we were all sheltering in place. Everything had come to a grinding halt uh, for me and my role in the uh, Indiana Senate. All of the meetings, all of the hearings, everything that we normally would be doing in a given year had come to a stop. My entire schedule came to a screeching halt like many of yours did. And it took a while for us to adapt and make the adjustments to sheltering in place for what 
turn from weeks into months, and then uh, we still have some people that are sheltering in place and trying to take care of themselves. And so during that time, I sat with my family and I said, uh, all right, I want each of you to share with me what you're learning. What is God teaching you through this process? And it was a fascinating conversation. My wife shared some things. My kids shared some things. But it was my daughter who at the time uh, was in fifth grade. She said, I never realized how busy we were before. And I thought, wow, that's pretty perceptive for a fifth grader to get to a point where she recognizes how busy we are. I wrote an article not long after that conversation entitled, I Don't Want to Go Back to Normal. And my point in that article was that there were lessons that I was being taught, lessons that I hopefully was learning through COVID that were good lessons. They were hard lessons. Uh, There was a lot of pain involved. And I didn't want to go back to normal. I didn't want to go back to the crazy busy. I didn't want to go back to this idea of trying to go through life and find the easiest path forward. Uh, I didn't want to go back to the point of dismissing people in my life, people that were there for a reason, people that not only had the opportunity to be somebody that I could serve, but also were somebody that I could learn from and we could build relationships. I think in our crazy, busy world, uh, we're moving so fast that we don't slow down long enough to have enough conversations with the people around us and and so forth. And uh, it it was a situation where, and it continues to be a situation where um, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain. I I do a lot of teaching and training with uh, next generation leaders and, and adult leaders as well. And one of the things that we focus on in our emphasis on impacting the culture in terms of leadership in the culture is what are the big kind of big ticket questions that every person has to wrestle with? If they take time to step back and to really process some of the big ticket questions, I'm talking about the deep ones, the philosophical ones. Uh, If you spend any time in the Christian worldview space, they're often referred to as the worldview questions. Things like where did we come from? Uh, the answers to that have very significant implications. Things like, you know, what is my purpose in life? Where am I going? Um, What happens when I die? But one of the biggest worldview questions that is an obvious one is, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with the world? I don't know about you, but I don't have to look very far to see that there is something seriously wrong with our world. Something has gone off kilter. We see the world on fire, figuratively and literally. Even as we think about what's transpired over the last couple of weeks in our exit from Afghanistan. And here in Indiana, I I went into the BW3's restaurant in Avon, which is one of our go-to restaurants with my very sports-friendly family. And we walk in, and the folks there at BW3's have a table that is set up off right as you walk in. It's cordoned off with ribbons and flags, and there's two candles burning, and they had name placards around 13 chairs with cups or or, uh, glasses of beer there in tribute to the 13 members of the military who had passed away just a couple weeks ago in Afghanistan, including a gentleman from here in Indiana, uh, Humberto Sanchez from Logansport, a 22-year-old corporal who lost his life in Afghanistan. And we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years uh, trying to serve those people and serve America's interests. And for what? That's one of the big questions that people are asking. All the 
the pain and the, the, the grief and the loss and the talent and the treasure that has been sacrificed on the field of battle. For what? So when we think about this idea of uh, what's wrong with the world, it is a very real question that manifests itself in very real ways. Uh, we think about the implications of COVID, all the COVID restrictions, having to wear masks and get vaccinated and businesses being shut down and places of worship being closed um, and, and all kinds of other things that have genuinely impacted people's health. They have impacted their families, impacted their businesses, their schools, their churches, every aspect of our lives. And in that regard, there is this growing sense of helplessness. Even for those of us who are in elected office, um, you know, there's, a, uh, I think, a faulty assumption that many people on the outside think, and that is that uh, we actually live in a monarchy, and every single one of us who are in elected office are not actually uh, senators or representatives. We are kings and queens, and we can just wave the magic wand and make things happen. And that's just not the nature of our government. We don't live in a monarch. We don't live in a dictatorship where things can be dictated uh, on a whim. We live in a, a democratic republic, and therefore it's a very challenging form of government in which we have to actually convince people of the merits of our ideas. And uh, oftentimes we don't win that debate. We try, but we don't win. And so decisions are being made that are uh, even outside of our control. And certainly for the, the constituent downstream, who is uh, the recipient of all these decisions that are being made, that sense of helplessness and frustration only grows more and more. And I think about when I used to be on the outside of the Capitol, and I think, man, if I was king for a day, here's what I would do. We just need to, and I would offer my 50,000-foot uh, kind of simplistic assessment of what needs to happen. Then you get on the inside and realize, wow, this is a lot more complicated than I thought. And so it's frustrating inside and outside of our political system. It's frustrating in every aspect of our lives because we're living in a state of pain, we're living in a state of fear, and we're not quite sure what's coming. And of course, what we want is the safety and security of our families, the safety and security of our livelihoods. And so there's a lot going on. How do we deal with that? Because this is the path of life that we're currently walking. No matter who you are, I'm sure that you are either have gone or are going through some level of challenge, some level of pain. It could be the pain of loss. It could be physical pain. It could be a financial pain. Whatever it is, we're all walking this journey. And so what I want to do today is to talk about um, how do we do that. I have a very good friend of mine who uh, I'll introduce at the next segment who has gone through a very difficult and challenging season in his life. And there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from walking life's path, walking through this uncertainty and walking through the imperfection of a fallen world. So as soon as we get back from this break, I'm going to introduce my good friend, and uh, we're going to continue this conversation as we navigate not only how do we walk this, but how do we find redemption through it. We'll be right back. Okay, well, welcome back to the Todd Huff Show. I'm John Crane filling in for Todd Huff today, and we've been talking about this difficult journey that we're all 
having to navigate in terms of uh, loss and against the shadow of our 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks and against the backdrop of COVID and just so many things that, that life brings. Life can be hard. That is a fact. And so in anticipation of my being able to fill in today, I thought about who's somebody that I'd love to have come and and share the mic with me. And so I reached out to my good friend, Todd Scoggins, who I've known for a lot of years, and uh, asked him if he would come and and be a part of the conversation. I think he's got some great things to share with you all today. Todd, welcome to the show. We're so glad that you could join us today. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate the fact that uh, you and I, uh, I can't even, I was thinking about it the mm-hmm. other day. I don't even remember exactly how we met, but I know we met doing a lot of political type things. You do, you spend a lot of time in uh, film and, and photography or architect by profession, mm-hmm. but what turned from a hobby into really a meaningful way to impact many of the political and cultural conversations that are going on. Share a little bit about that, will you? Yeah. Um, I, I, I turned a hobby into what I call a hobby with a purpose. Uh, and it really has become a mission field for me. Um, I never sought out the political work. Um, I work, uh, as I, I tell folks, I work for people that I believe in. I work for men and women that I believe are, are trying to do the best for our communities. And so that's who I work with. But then uh, the phone started ringing once people saw some of the work that I did in the mission field. And I've had a wonderful opportunity to take a break from the architecture profession and to travel the world with my cameras and to come alongside ministries that are doing just amazing work out there. So you're doing it both in the political space, mm-hmm. also on the in the mission field. Give us some examples yeah. of some of the folks that you've had the privilege of being able to work with. I know you've worked with yeah. Nick Vujicic. M- yeah. Many people don't remember who he is by name, but yeah. the, the gentleman that doesn't have any arms and legs. And tell yeah. us a little bit about who you've been able to work with. Yeah, Nick Nick is a good friend. Um, he's, he's a wonderful speaker and very inspirational. Um, yeah, you know, politicians and, and folks here in Indiana, um, Todd Rakita, I've, sh- I've shot photos for Greg Pence, um, uh, you know, local candidates. Also, you know, I had the great pleasure working with you. And, you know, I <laughs> and it was a great pleasure it on was. my end, too, to have good quality camera work. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. We have had a lot of fun. And, um, and I've worked with also with Mike Pence when he was governor here in Indiana. So, And so uh, in that, then, you said that's open doors for you to be able mm-hmm. to get onto the mission field. And yeah. when you bring your camera, you've, you've shared this with me, it's always fascinating. The guy with the camera can get access to areas and to experiences yeah. that the rest of us might not be able to do. Uh, quickly tell us about what happened with the Honor Flight um, where you were filming that and, and <laughs> accidentally walked onto the plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I walked onto the plane purposefully, but I didn't really go through all the checks. It, it was a, it, it's a short story is it was a last minute decision. They invited me to come and shoot photos, but I, I wasn't ticketed and I didn't have a seat on the plane to actually fly to DC. So I was just going to capture, you know, what happens here in Indiana, here in, in Plainfield, and then ride with the, uh, with the veterans on the bus over to the airport, get, you know, get all of that. Well, I was just following the veterans as they were moving to the plane, uh, you know, just right through security, said good morning to security. They said good morning to me. I had my camera. They're checking the credentials of every vet, checking the credentials of every um, um, uh, guardian that's with each vet, but nobody asked 
asked me for my credentials, and I just figured, well, okay, they assume you know, as long as I'm staying with my group, then they'll be okay. And so I just followed the group all the way onto the plane, and I'm on the plane. I even The pilot even turned around and said good morning to me. I said good morning to the pilot, and the pilot invited me into the cockpit as they were sitting there getting ready to take <laughs> off. Now, I was not going to – I had no plans to actually try to go to D.C. I just wanted to Or to, to get, fly the plane, I yeah, hope. Yeah, or, or to fly the plane. <laughs> and so I just wanted to get as much as I could. Then I was going to step off the plane before yeah. they took off and go, you know, go back. And um, – and the pilot even said, come on, come on in here. And, and the pilot showed me a picture of, of one of the veterans who had just passed away a few days before. And he said, uh, I forget his name. I'll make up a name. He said, I, you know, this is Larry. He was supposed to fly with us today. We, we lost him just a few days ago. So we have his photo here. And he's flying with us in the mm. cockpit. So I took pictures and That's video awesome. of the, you know. Well, then, then there's at that point, there's a tap on my shoulder. And I turned around and I, I don't know. I, he probably the director of TSA, you know, for, for the <laughs> airport. And he gestures for me to, you know, follow him off the aircraft. Right. <laughs> you were so caught in the moment, it you didn't feel like, the handcuffs. Yeah. So they escorted me all the way to the curb. I think there were four armed TSA yes. agents escorting me all the way so, to the curb. Please, sir, do not do that again. <laughs> it was my mistake. It certainly, yeah, absolutely. Well, and and uh, and that's the point, right? Is yeah. the camera is an interesting yeah. medium by which you can get access. But not only that, being able to bring experiences back to an audience, whether, mm -hmm. you, you know, you posting stuff online or some of the stuff that you've published where folks can kind of be there. Mm -hmm. And and the beauty of your camera work is it really illuminates some amazing things. So you've talked about the fact that you spend some time on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And uh, recently we're <clears throat> over in Tanzania right. doing some missions work. Uh, what what were you doing there? I've got a very another very good friend who is a missionary in Tanzania. He's lived there for gosh twelve years, and he's there with his wife and his four daughters. And uh, he uh, he makes a, a living just by um, uh, doing construction there. And uh, but he he's he also ministers to the Maasai tribes there. And he's just got a fascinating mm -hmm. life. So I've been wanting for years just to go and spend time with my friend Lyle is his name, but they okay. call him Simba there okay. in Tanzania. Uh, so I was there for that to visit with him. Okay, and then and then when you got back, mm -hmm. it's what happened the day after you got back that yeah. has really changed the course of where you're at now. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, well, when I got back the day after, I noticed that my feet were a little bit numb and tingly. And I thought, well, I just took a 15-hour flight home. That's maybe not a surprise, not what you want to see, but I thought maybe something related to that. So I kept an eye on it for a few days thinking, well, it'll pass. And yeah, well, it didn't pass. And I'll give you the very abbreviated, you know, story here. But uh, that numbness and tingling ascended up my up my legs all the way to my chest. Till a couple of weeks later, I was numb from the chest down. And uh, I knew I needed to get to a doctor. But this is that was the, my first hurdle. Was I've enjoyed good health all of my life to this point, 50 years, and uh, I don't have a primary care doc. I just haven't gone to the doctor, so I didn't even know where to start in, in, in chasing this thing down. So I called a good doctor friend of mine, and uh, when I told him what I was experiencing, he said, you need to get to the ER, and so I did. And uh, what, uh, what, what has transpired since then, um, uh, it's, it's been a, it was a scary experience because the symptoms, you know, it could be, it was anything from ALS to multiple sclerosis to neuro, uh, uh, neuropathic peripheral neuropathy. I mean, all sorts of, uh, you know, very debilitating potential, uh, diseases. And they were and, just trying to explore yeah, and see what the source out. of this yeah. was. Okay. And they've, uh, you know, ultimately have landed 
on, on transverse myelitis, which is an autoimmune um, uh, 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 affliction, and it attacks my central nervous system. And so I've described it to people. It's as if you go to the, to the main electrical panel in your house and just start uh, rewiring or clipping and disconnecting wires at random. It affected my whole body. Um, and what do you what? So what are the uh, the primary physical symptoms? Yeah, I mean, numbness. Uh, it was it was difficult to walk uh, for a time there. Numbness and and um, and then also a burning sensation that I called the icy hot sensation early on, where it felt like my leg had this uh, you know icy hot cream on it. Mm-hmm. It was hot, but it was uh, it was really very odd. And um, it you know, over the following months, as things began to hopefully you know they they were improving and symptoms were resolving, but every day would be a different day. I would feel mm-hmm. tingling in this foot, then the next day tingling in that arm, or, or numbness, or just a whole variety of symptoms that would come and go, but something wasn't going away. That was one symptom wasn't going away was this. It's called dysesthesia. It's a burning sensation in my skin okay. caused by the lesions on my spine. And then figuring out, uh, I'm assuming then that it was having an adverse mm-hmm. impact on your ability to be able to do your, your work, yeah. to do some of the, the uh, photography that you've do, been doing, yeah. and, and a lot of concern swirling yeah. around about even what the future might hold. Yeah. 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 So one of the things we want to do when we come back after the break is to talk a little bit about what have you been learning through this you know earlier i talked about the fact that calamity is a great teacher if we're willing to learn and so as soon as we get back i want to pick up this conversation and i want to hear from you about what is it that you have been learning through this because it kind of came out of nowhere right totally and then all of a sudden wow this is my new reality Mm -hmm. i've got to deal with it so we'll be right back in just a minute again this is john crane for the todd huff show we'll be back to continue this conversation with my good friend Todd Scoggins. Don't go away. Welcome back. This is the Todd Huff Show, and this is John Crane sitting in the guest chair today having a conversation about how we navigate unexpected challenges and a lot of the pain and and frustration and uncertainty that we all feel. Um, we just are in the middle of a conversation with my good friend Todd Scoggins, who I've known for many years and uh, actually met him through uh, a lot of the work that we do um, on leadership, culture, a lot of the work that we do in the political space. Just sharing your story, Todd, about um, this journey that you've been on over the last uh, many months and having. Um, come back from Tanzania, a trip that you were taking where you're doing some work over there and uh, really beginning to feel some uh, not only discomfort but some real uncertainty as, as things were happening to your body, mm-hmm. uh, symptoms that you were having to deal with. Uh, let's pick up that conversation okay. and uh, talk a little bit about what is it that you've been learning through this unexpected season because I know... Mm-hmm. Um, it's always kind of with the advantage of retrospect that we can look yeah. back and go, man, you know, that I don't know if I would want to go back through all that, but here's right. the things I'm learning. What are some of the things that you're learning through this experience? Well, um, I, uh, I've learned how to lean on my Christian faith significantly. I've had to learn to trust in the Lord uh, when, when he says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah. Trust in me. And I also learned um, 
Well, here's something I learned. I had a, I had a gut check moment. Um, once I was released in the hospital, the doctor said, there really is no, there's no cure for this, this condition. My body just has to heal if it's going to. And it might and it might not. We don't know. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but to, to heal the body, I need to give, give the body the best opportunity to heal, which is nutrition and rest and meditation and prayer in my case. Um, but nutrition is huge. So I made an instant change in my, in my diet. I mean, sugar is out and gluten is out and eggs and dairy and, you know. All the I, good stuff. All the stuff that's delicious. <laughs> I know, donuts. No more donuts. Exactly. You know, things like that. Um, uh, you know, very hardcore. Um, I mean, it, and I said to myself, my wife, I said, okay, if this is what I have to do in order to heal and if this is, the, if this is what I have to do for the rest of my life in order to keep it from, you know, happening again, fine, I can do this, you know. And so uh, a, a complete 180 in my, in my diet and lifestyle um, uh, to, to really give my body the best opportunity to heal. Also just trusting in prayer and knowing that ultimately God's going to heal me. Uh, I'm just going to walk in obedience and feed this vessel the very best of God's bounty. And then it occurred to me, as I looked at how hard I was working to heal and, and help my body heal, the commitment that I was making, and I asked myself, wow, Todd, have you ever made that sort of commitment to the Lord mm-hmm. in your walk of faith with the mm-hmm. Lord? I thought, hmm, boy, I'd like to think that I have. Well, I'll tell myself that I, I have, but I still reserve a little bit for me, a little time for me. I still spend some my resources on things that are probably not. You know, so that was a gut check moment for me when I realized how hard I can work for something mm-hmm. and the kind of commitment I'm willing to make. And I've, I've re-engaged my commitment to my walk of faith yeah. in the Lord, knowing what I can do. Well, and I know we've had this conversation, and you sell yourself short. Uh, you have one of the biggest hearts of anybody I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, in talking with many of our mutual friends, um, they would say the same thing. And mm-hmm. you have uh, just used your, your tremendous gifts and talents to serve so many people mm. that um, I know um, in my own case, when I um, got the message that you were going through this, and it was, it was serious. I mean, it, it was, um, it's a serious journey. And I know you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of stabilized right now, but you're not out of the woods by any stretch. But when I first uh, heard that and you begin to go through worst case scenarios and you think, man, you know, who are the people that I really care about? And I, I found myself being deeply affected just by the news that you're going through this. And mm-hmm. I know that I wasn't the only one. I know mm-hmm. you've heard from a number of people um, that are simply an extension of, of the, the amazing work that you've done for so many out of the kindness of your heart and, mm-hmm. and bringing those gifts and talents. And, you know, I, I know you've got uh, uh, messages from all kinds of people that mm-hmm. uh, feel the same way. And, and I think that's a testament to to who you are and the leadership that you bring out of that servant's heart. Hmm. Well, thank you. It has been an enormous blessing, these these gestures of, of prayer and support that I receive from friends and even people that I don't know all that well. And, and that's another thing that I have learned. I've learned that I really am blessed, and we are blessed when we look around and see the people that are around us, that care about us, that pray for us. And it, there have been more blessings in this experience than otherwise. And I, I wouldn't have expected to be able to say that when I first started, but as I look back on the last seven months, as difficult as it's been, painful, scary, sleepless nights, the anxiety, yet I look at all that and I think I am just so blessed because I, with my camera, I've, I've been to countries all over the world. I've been to 32 countries so far in my life, and I have seen real 
human suffering. Yeah, I've seen people right. suffering in ways much worse than what I'm dealing with and in homes that are void of love or in communities that are war-torn. And I get to wake up in a peaceful peace place on the you know, west side of Indianapolis here um, you know, with birds chirping outside, and I can, I can read scripture, I can pray, I can meditate, and I have an amazing wife. My wife, Heather, has been just uh, a wonderful wife. A rock. Oh, I've had to (laughs) lean on her in a way I've never had to before. And I've said many times that, uh, you know, I put all of my hope and faith in Jesus as my healer and and, and to sustain me. But I'm very thankful that he gave me Heather. Yes. Well, we we all married up, didn't we? We sure did, yeah. (laughs) Yes, we did, Todd. Well, hey, Todd, I appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, this story, I mean, you've kept relatively close to the vest. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you've put some things out on social media about it. um, But your willingness to get get on the show here... And share a little bit about that, because that can be very vulnerable. I think when mm-hmm. we open up and say, hey, here's what's really going on in my life. Yeah. You know, we have these interactions all the time. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. How are you? And it's all very surface and social, right? Right. But to be at a point where we can say, hey, no, here's what's really going on. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's huge. That's very valuable. Well, I I've been saying and praying all along that I want God to be glorified in this, glorified in my affliction, glorified ultimately in my healing. And then I share this story. Um, I know that uh, the journey's not over, as Mm -hmm. it is for any of us, and there's further lessons to be learned. But uh, thank you for taking the time to share it with us today. Listen, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We'll be right back in just a few minutes on the Todd Huff Show. Back on the Todd Huff Show. This is John Crane filling in for Todd Huff. We just had a conversation with my good friend Todd Scoggins, who's done such tremendous work for so many people. In fact, um, he's too humble to say this, but on the drive over to the radio station, he played a voicemail message uh, that he had received from uh, Vice President Mike Pence, who's a friend of ours. And uh, Vice President Pence gave a very gracious uh, message of encouragement and prayer for Todd as he continues to battle this. And the reason I wanted to bring Todd on is because um, I think he is uh, emblematic of all of us, right? Uh, We're all walking our own journey, and we're all uh, navigating the difficulties that each of us has, and and they're in in varying degrees. And none of us knows the pain that any of us might be carrying. I know that uh, one of the things that, frankly, is very concerning to me is a trend that I—it's not new— Uh, but you just see it more and more, and especially with the advent of social media, is uh, our inclination actually to do more uh, cutting people down rather than building people up. And uh, I don't know if that lends itself to um, why we as a culture, uh, maybe from our our deepest human level, we we want to uh, validate ourselves by by knocking other people down. But I was reminded of this. Um, I do a lot of reading, and if anybody spends any time with me, you might see me watching my kids' ball games with a book in my hand. Um, and uh, my friends and family often chide me on this, but uh, I'm always um, of the mind that leaders are readers. And and uh, as somebody who fortunately is no longer in formal schooling, uh, it's up to me to do armchair education of myself as I read. 
And one of the things that uh, I read just recently actually came out of a book by uh, Eugene Peterson called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. This actually happens to be in the footnote to the book. And uh, if you'll indulge me, I want to just read this because I think it's revealing to kind of where all this is. He says, Philip Slater, in his searching study of the way Americans live together, says that all of us have a desire and a need for community, the wish to trust in, to live in trust and fraternal cooperation with one's fellows in a total invisible collective entity. It is easy to produce examples of the many ways in which Americans attempt to minimize, circumvent, or deny the interdependent, interdependence upon which all human societies are based. We seek a private house, a private means of transportation, a private garden, a private laundry, self-service stores, and a do-it-yourself skills of every kind. An enormous technology seems to have set itself the task of making it unnecessary for one human being ever to ask anything of another in the course of going about his daily business. We seek more and more privacy and feel more alienated and lonely when we get it. Our encounters with others tend increasingly to be competitive as a result of the search for privacy. We less and less often meet our fellow man to share and exchange, and more and more often encounter him as an impediment or a nuisance, making the highway crowded when we are rushing somewhere, cluttering and littering, the beach or park or wood, pushing in front of us at the supermarket, taking the last parking place, polluting our air and water, building a highway through our house, blocking our view, and so on. Because we have cut off so much communication with each other, we keep bumping into each other, and thus a higher and higher percentage of our interpersonal contacts are abrasive. Now here's the irony of that passage. That was actually written in 1970, over 50 years ago. And when I read that, I think it illuminates the human condition, that we are driven more towards trying to get ahead than we are trying to let other people get ahead. I often hear in my, in my world, in the political space, we often hear, my rights, it's my rights, this is my right. How often do we hear somebody say, yeah, but what about your rights? How often do we get past ourselves to be able to say, hey, I need to think about the other people around me as well. And I speak from personal experience. We all suffer from the selfish human condition. We all want to get ahead. We all want to advance. And we want to put our best foot forward. And so that means oftentimes that I'm thinking about myself or my family or my job or my company or my church or my ball team or my school, whatever it is. Instead of trying to create a more collaborative community where we are all looking out for one another. And that's the thing that struck me about the conversation with my friend Todd Scoggins, is that Todd is one who gives and gives and gives. And he has given to so many people over so many years and genuinely leverages his gifts and talents in a ways that are immeasurable. And so all of a sudden he's going through this very, very difficult time and has had people come out of the woodwork to try to support him because of the impact that he's had in their lives. And I think it's instructive for all of us. We're all walking this journey together. Uh, we're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to navigate the, the obstacles, the hurdles, all the challenges that we face. And wouldn't it be great if we could come together and recognize that all of us are carrying burdens of some kind or another? And try to be there for the people around us in a way that can lighten their burden just a bit. And 
have them do the same for us. That's the beauty of community. And I think in our increasingly polarized world where we're, we're more driven by kind of what we're, you know, who, who we stand for, my team or my political party, uh, we've created these divisions and this tribalism that I think uh, ultimately will be our undoing. Because what we'll end up doing is we'll surround ourselves just with people that say the things that we believe in, we'll be less inclined to actually entertain uh, views from other people, and they'll be less inclined to entertain our views. And yet we all have to figure out how to work together on this thing called planet Earth. I think social media has made it that much easier to hide behind screen names and, and uh, online personalities and say things and treat people in ways that we would never say or do if we were sitting across from them in a coffee shop. I know in the political world, uh, I receive that quite a bit. Uh, because of being a higher profile figure and and people just deciding that they can say whatever they want about you. And I don't know that we're all the better for it. Wouldn't it be great if we could work on being more thoughtful, if we could be more empathetic, if we could come alongside people and recognize that what we see likely is not the whole story. We're looking at people as we're looking at life through the small confines of the keyhole and so that's part of what we wanted to try to talk about today is simply to say, hey, uh, there's a lot of layers of pressure. There's a lot of layers of pain. Um, I feel it on, on multiple levels. I feel it on our national level with kind of where we are as a country. And uh, I'm reminded of a, a comment that my friend John Stone Street over at the Colson Center often says that ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. And uh, we live in a culture where uh, there are a lot of victims who have, are the victims the result of, of bad ideas. So our goal is to try to advance truth and to do so in a thoughtful way. That's what it's about. It's about every single one of us using whatever platform we have to be able to advance truth in a loving and thoughtful way. Listen, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes to wrap up the show here on the Todd Huff Show. And we're back. This is the Todd Huff Show. This is John Crane filling in. We've had a very interesting, maybe a different kind of conversation than you'll typically hear on the Todd Huff Show. But I think it's an important conversation because, as I mentioned in the last segment, uh, we're all going through life carrying a lot of burdens. And I think specifically about the family members of the men and women uh, who've lost their lives on the front lines, both in law enforcement and in our military so that we can live in this great country and be afforded the freedoms that uh, so often we take for granted. We just uh, uh, came off of Labor Day weekend uh, just a bit ago, and um, you know we can spend time with family, we can hang out, we can do all the things that we appreciate doing in this great country of ours. And uh, there's billions of people around the world that aren't afforded those freedoms. But I think sometimes we get too busy um, going at each other Right. And forgetting that at the end of the day, we're all Americans, uh, that we all live in, in this melting pot, uh, this this kaleidoscope of human diversity that I think uh, we're all the better for it. If we can reach out and get past um, our own kind of framework and we can uh, really entertain where other people are coming from, I think we can all learn a lot. And uh, that's the goal. Right. 
that's the goal is to say, who is it that's within my sphere of influence? How can I come alongside them today and just uh, not just say, hey, how you doing at a surface level, but really take an extra minute to sit down with them and say, no, how are you really doing? Um, how can I be there for you? How can I support you? How can I even pray for you? I think if we do that, I think we're all going to be better for it. We're blessed um, in so many different ways. It's easy for us to look at the negatives. But as Todd Scoggins reminded us early today, uh, it's important for us to look at the positives, even amidst the, the pain and difficulty. And so that's my challenge and encouragement to you, is to uh, keep looking up. We're blessed to live in this great country. Uh, God bless you all, and uh, God bless the United States of America. It's been a pleasure to be with you on the Todd Huff Radio Show today. This is John Crane. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. You're busy. At Citizens Bank, we know your time is precious. That's why we're bringing a full-service branch to Stones Crossing for all your home, commercial, and personal banking needs. Looking to open an account, get assistance from your mortgage and commercial lenders, or just make all banking transactions right from your car? We can make it easy for you. Visit our new branch at 1767 West Stones Crossing Road. Citizens Bank. More bank for your buck. As a listener of this program, I have no doubt that you embrace the value of hard work, honesty, and integrity. And when you have the opportunity to work with a company that fully embraces and shares these values, I'm sure you jump at it. Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing is just that type of company in central Indiana. Jeff and Jod Woods have a team of professional technicians here to help tune up your furnace or install a quality new train system. And they're also here to fix those nasty plumbing problems that seem to happen at the absolute worst time. So the next time you have a plumbing, heating, or cooling need, give the good folks at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing a call. Call 317-831-5279. That's 317-831-5279. Or visit economyheatingandair.com.